Hello, this is Steve Bailey, happily welcoming you to episode 44 of Hard Boiled Eggs and Nuts, a Laurel and Hardy podcast. All right, today I thought I would go ahead and wrap up Laurel and Hardy's silent era. Uh, that leaves four short subjects to date that I have not covered, and I would also like to cover one of their compilation movies. So settle on in, be sure you have your favorite snack handy, because this is going to be a quadruple feature. <clears throat> but I wanted to go ahead and, uh, as I say, finish up their silent film era. All the others are in other episodes that you can look for on this podcast, but let me cover these four. The first one is a, rather a minor number, although it's funny enough. Uh, Call of the Cuckoos from 1927. After the second hundred years proved a big hit, Laurel and Hardy were rushed into an extremely wacko cameo in Call of the Cuckoos. Along with Charlie Chase and James Finlayson, the boys portray a set of neighbors that drive Mr. Gibblewort, played by Max Davidson, to move to another house in which everything goes wrong almost as soon as he steps foot in the new place. Laurel and Hardy's shenanigans are little more than an excuse to clown around home movie style, but they provide almost the only laughs in an otherwise sub-sitcom short. For me, the collapsing house routine was done far better by Buster Keaton in one week, and based on his mugging here, the once popular Max Davidson seems to have based most of his comedy on the hand-wringing Jewish stereotype. Strangely enough, the Laurel and Hardy compilation feature Laurel and Hardy's Laughing Twenties, which I will deal with later in this podcast, provides this short almost in its entirety, but in entirely separate modes. The Max Davidson footage is shown and discussed completely apart from the Laurel and Hardy footage. Maybe that's the best way to think of it, too. Onward and upward, I would like to cover 1928's short, The Finishing Touch. Now, anyone who saw Laurel and Hardy's big business, big business in 1929 wouldn't have been surprised at how adeptly Laurel and Hardy can denude a house. In The Finishing Touch, they try to build a house and can hardly get it started. This short subject is not counted as one of their greatest, but it's full of delightful little touches. Uh, the byplay between Stan, Ollie, and the local hospital nurse, played by Dorothy Coburn, who demands quiet, and the poor cop on the beat, played by Edgar Kennedy, who is forced to make Stan and Ollie acquiesce to the nurse's wishes, wishes excuse me. the expert pantomime of Stan Laurel just about every time the camera is on only him, Ollie trying to carry a load of nails in his mouth and, of course, swallowing them every time, and the first appearance of Laurel and Hardy's paradoxical proverb, if you must make a noise, make it quietly. <clears throat> the film's ending was initially to have shown Laurel and Hardy's truck driving straight through the house, leaving a huge hole through it. But the house collapsed inward before the truck had a chance to plow all the way through. But it's quite appropriate the way it is, considering that most of Stan and Ollie's plans collapse upon themselves. Uh, next, I would like to get a little bit out of sequence and cover uh, from 1929, Laurel and Hardy's Bacon Grabbers. With Laurel and Hardy, it seems that the simpler the task, the more unlikely it is to be accomplished. In Bacon Grabbers, a local sheriff assigns Stan and Ollie to serve papers on a man, Edgar Kennedy again, who is delinquent on his payment for a radio. The sheriff should have known better when it takes Stan and Ollie a good deal of the movie just to make it out of his office. This is Laurel and Hardy at their simple best. Give them a task and watch them bollocks it up. Their grasp of events is too elementary to take the long view. 
It's all they can do just to get the delinquent notice into Kennedy's hand. Every time one of them manages to corner Kennedy, it turns out that the other one has the paper. And only when they finally manage to serve the paper do they realize that while they're at it, they ought to try to get the radio, too. This short has it all. Edgar Kennedy and... Why didn't the 40s scriptwriters, who were so eager to rip off long, hardy shorts, study this one when they had Kennedy on hand for the unfunny air raid wardens? The movie also features Jean Harlow, although far more covered up than she is in Double Whoopi, the contentious Charlie Hall, hilarious physical comedy, and even a great H.M. Walker intertitle in which Ollie, for definitely the only time in the Laurel and Hardy canon, accuses Stan of having hot Corsican blood. And now I have saved the best for next to last. <clears throat> Let me talk about Two Tars from 1928. Even more so than big business, Two Tars demonstrates how Laurel and Hardy use the reciprocal destruction device in a way that makes sense, where other, other comics just used it for cheap laughs. It all comes about when Stan and Ollie, as sailors on shore leave who have picked up two good-time girls, get stuck in a long and frustrating traffic jam in the middle of nowhere. If ever there was a comic device aimed at venting frustration, this one is tops. The various drivers, one with a prim mustache, is guess who? Edgar Kennedy. The guy with dark glasses is a Laurel and Hardy prop man who engineered the sight gag cars. Anyway, these drivers had plenty of reason to be burned up even before Stan and Ollie ever get there. Of course, for Laurel and Hardy, a line of cars with frustrated drivers is like ducks at a shooting gallery. Let's see, we'll tear the headlights off of this one. We'll knock this guy's belongings off of that one. And heck, we'll take the wheels out of this one altogether. And don't forget the guy with the tomatoes. The penultimate shot of molested cars chasing after Stan and Ollie at a policeman's behest is even funnier than the final shot. It's like watching Laurel and Hardy get personally escorted through the ninth, into the ninth ring of hell. Now, lastly, I would like to cover an anomaly, mainly because this anomaly is available on Netflix. So... Although Laurel and Hardy's talky short subjects got their due on a lavish American DVD set in 2011, their silent shorts aren't as ready, readily available in the U.S. because they are owned by different hands. So if you have trouble obtaining Laurel and Hardy's terrific silent shorts as a set, your next best bet is to check out the 1965 compilation feature, Laurel and Hardy's Laughing Twenties. This is one of the many silent compilations lovingly put together by film historian Robert Youngson in the 1950s and 60s. Youngson's efforts, which are well chronicled in the biography Laurel and Hardy from the 40s forward, were instrumental in rekindling interest in silent film comedy in general, and Laurel and Hardy in particular. Though Youngson's narration tends to be a bit verbose, his affection for Laurel and Hardy's peerless comedy is obvious and infectious. And this compilation, especially, presents most of its subjects virtually complete, except for subtitles, and with modest but effective musical scoring nearly as lovingly as the originals. Among the Laurel and Hardy gems presented here are 1929's Liberty, one of my personal Laurel and Hardy faves, with Stan and Ollie doing a Harold Lloyd stunt number atop an unfinished skyscraper. From 1928, from Soup to Nuts, with Stan and Ollie wrecking, wreaking havoc as waiters at a dinner party. And the finishing touch, which I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, just talked about, with the duo building, or more exactly, not building, a house. The film's closer feature, closer features climaxes, and only the climaxes, unfortunately, from Laurel and Hardy gems, such as the Battle of the Century, with its famous pie-throwing melee, 
and two tars, which again, I just covered and uh, mainly features a hilarious traffic jam that inspired much of Jean-Luc Godard's feature Weekend. To a film generation acquainted only with color, sound, and fury, the methodical pace of Laurel and Hardy's silent work is almost like a foreign language to be learned. But the beauty inherent in a second language is on ample display here, especially as an antidote to our latter-day bodily function comedies. Well, that wraps up Laurel and Hardy's silent movie era for me, and it wraps up this episode of the podcast, except for, as usual, my usual cheap uh, plugs. For the last 18 years, I have run a Laurel and Hardy website devoted to uh, reviews of their films, their, excuse me, their team shorts, uh, reviews of their biographies, interviews with their biographers, and any other Laurel and Hardy trivia that I could dig up. You can find this website at the URL leaveemlaughing.moviefever.com. That's leaveemlaughing.moviefever.com. Also, I have a Facebook page that corresponds with this podcast, and it has the same name as the podcast. So please look it up in Facebook under Hard Boiled Eggs and Nuts, a Laurel and Hardy podcast. On the cover photo of that Facebook page, you can find the URL to our podcast's website, as well as URLs for all the venues where you can find this podcast, including iTunes, uh, Google Play Music, and especially Anchor, the parent website that sponsors the podcast. And finally, I have an email address because I love feedback, so if you have anything to address to me about the podcast, be it bad or good, please feel free to email me at hardboiledeggsandnuts at outlook.com. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, I welcome you and I implore you to please listen to the, the previous 43 episodes of this epic Laurel and Hardy podcast. If you are listening on iTunes, please leave a star rating and or a review. It really helps. And uh, if you are listening for the first time, again, uh, please hit the subscribe button as well. As you can see, I update this fairly frequently, so uh, there are plenty more episodes to come. But in any case, I thank you for attending this podcast episode. Uh, please keep in touch and listen to further episodes. And until next time, this is Steve Bailey saying goodbye.